to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You are so welcome. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Yes, to you too. Is that Very is that nice. how you're supposed to do it? Is that what you're supposed to like? I mean, like some days, like Happy Veterans Day, you don't really say that, right? I mean, that doesn't. So maybe Veterans Day you would, I guess. I, I, I don't think know. you can say that. I think you can say happy any holiday kind any of, can't holiday. you? Am I crazy? Well, I mean, but, but some are, some are obviously uh, more sober, I mean, like Veterans Day. I mean, obviously right. we're there to celebrate our veterans, but also to think about, um, you know, our lost veterans and all of that. And uh, Someone should make a list of the proper, in the same way that like there are lists of proper honorifics to address different people, ambassadors and presidents and prime ministers and stuff. There sure. should be a list of proper um, exhortations per holiday. So perhaps the proper one for Veterans Day would, would be to greet someone by saying, hey, contemplative Veterans Day or something, <laughs> right? Like a, whatever, like you, don't want, you don't want to say happy because it's not a happy occasion, but you want to, you want to say like a, you know, maybe it would be like a um, uh, warm Arbor Day or, you know what I mean? We should make up this list of like, what's the proper exhortation that matches each holiday's tone and purpose? Well, you know, and, and I think it goes without saying, we don't do politics uh, here on the podcast. However, uh, I think we both noticed uh, that this has been a very contemplative uh, MLK day for, for Paul Ryan. Paul. There's a lot of... A lot of people are contemplative today, but none more so than Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, who, who po posted a picture of himself in what I can only describe as a cartoon contemplative pose, where he's staring at a bust of Martin Luther King Jr. and his hand is literally cupping his chin. He's stroking his that, like in the way in the, in the way that cartoon characters think about things. They stroke their chins. That's what Paul Ryan is doing. It's amazing. I I invite all of you to check it out. You haven't it's, already. It is, it is the most. What the the thing I thought when I saw that, other than your point was, how did how did this happen? How did anybody allow this to happen? Um, That's right. How did anybody working with him, who knows him, any friend of his, allow him to do this to himself? Uh, but but my first thought was, how many photos did they take to get exactly the right contemplative? It, clearly, that was not the first photo. Clearly, he's like, no, no, I'm not contemplative enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Although I would, I would venture to say that it's also likely that they were just like rushing through the the halls of the Capitol or wherever they were, <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh, oh, oh uh, hang on, real quick, real quick, just get a shot of me, get a shot of me staring contemplatively at Martin Luther King because it's Martin Luther King Day." And then he posed and they went click and he went, okay, now let's go quickly. Let's go. Let's go. We, we got it. We got it. Let's go. I'll put that up on Twitter later. Yeah. Um, yeah just throw it up there and say, quote, quote, uh, quote, letter from a Birmingham jail or something. Just look quick. Hurry up. <laughs> All right. Two things. Two things. We Today is we are actually doing our, uh, what has become sort of a, a classic, the podcast Baseball Hall of Fame rundown, where we go through the entire ballot. Uh, for your uh, entertainment and uh, and education. But uh, there are two things I want to say. One, this is sort of a personal thing, but you probably feel the same way. Uh, big, big bummer uh, with us losing uh, Dolores O'Gordian, uh, the uh, lead singer of the Cranberries, uh, died uh, earlier today. Big Cranberries fan. It was a bummer. I just thought that was a awful. real bummer. Just awful. De just deeply awful. awful. And in a world of like... 
um, where, you know, massive swaths of music can sound the same. Yes. You, you always knew a Cranberry song the second she started singing. She had the, I would say the most distinctive voice in rock music of her entire era. And those songs, you, one of the Cranberries were great. And one of the reasons they're great is that you know more Cranberry songs than you think you do, even if you're <laughs> not a exactly fan. Right. There are there are probably nine Cranberry songs that you know very well and know a lot of the words to, even if you don't know that you know them. <laughs> and and it's because they were so good, and she was such a wonderful singer. It was a it was a that was a real awful blow to have to read about. It was. This. That was a real bummer. I, I saw them in concert. It's Aurora. O'Riordan, by the way, I, I totally mispronounced that before, which is sad. Um, saw them in concert. Seen them in concert. I saw the Sundays in concert. You know, they came out around the same time. Both sheer delight, just delightful, uh, wonderful bands. Um, but boy, the Cranberries—that's that was a that was a joyous concert to go to. There's just their, their music is just joyous. Very very sad. The second thing uh, I wanted to discuss before we, we get to our Hall of Fame ballot is, uh, and this is more of a specific question to you. This is really this is this is your question. Okay. Uh, as as uh, I'm sure our our listeners know, even though uh, we are not big NFL fans, we are aware that uh, this weekend uh, coming up. Your New England Patriots uh, are back for the, I think, 73rd straight year, right? 73rd right. straight year. They've been 73 AFC straight now, AFC Championship games, right. yeah. That's right. And and they are playing the, stunningly, stunningly so, the previously 3-13 and 13 Jacksonville Jaguars in the <laughs> AFC Championship game. That's what they were last year, 3-13. and 13. So that's right. uh, amazing, just amazing. And – and in addition to this, the Jacksonville Jaguars have played a very big role on your television show, The Good Correct. Place. That's uh, right. And continue to. And just saw, by the way, the episode, a uh, recently episode that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil for anybody who hasn't seen it, but there is there is particular Jacksonville Jaguar joy in this one. I assume there's more to come. Oh, there's more coming, yeah. <laughs> which is wonderful. Um earlier this year, I guess it was late last year, I guess if you think about it, but less than a year ago. You were put in a weird position where, uh, because of your jerk son, you would have rooted somewhat against your Boston Red Sox if they had played the Dodgers in the World Series. So the question for you to to take the stage is, is there even a small part of you that is rooting for the underdog, super cool, Blake Bortles run Jacksonville Jaguars against your grotesque over like everything super successful New England Patriots. Oh, I want the Jags to win straight up. There it is. I was yeah. thinking and hoping that's what you were going to say. Yes, no, 100%. So, uh, just just to clarify. So, when I said that I would take the position of rooting for the Dodgers because of my jerk son over the Red Sox, what that means is outwardly I would root for the Dodgers, right. but in my soul I will never root for any team other than the Red Sox. Like I just can't. It's impossible. It's a. It, it's just impossible. Um, now that generally speaking is true. My New England tribalism runs pretty strong. I spent my entire life there. My allegiances were formed very early. I they were only strengthened through bitter, miserable failure, uh, <laughs> repeatedly over and over again in in every sport except basketball. Um, 
So, but when it comes to football, like there's a couple of things that are different about the football. Number one is my general loss of interest in NFL football. That's one. Number sure. two, the fact that my team wins the Super Bowl every year. It <laughs> <laughs> does play but, a role. Yeah. yeah. Like I think, you know, the, I, so yesterday was the first day I've watched football, uh, the, a full day of football. I watched both games almost in their entireties, I would say. Uh, and the, uh, so we watched the Jag, uh, Jaguars uh, play the Steelers, and that was a pretty entertaining game, although kind of a – it was just weird. It felt it weird. weird. I, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird, and I didn't like it, and it, it was strange. And, uh, I mean, it's exciting to see any underdog beat a, a heavily favored team. And obviously, like, you know, the Steelers – everybody in the world thought the Steelers were going to play the Patriots next week. And so right. that was – it was interesting to watch that narrative fall apart. Um, and also it's just very funny. It's just extremely funny <laughs> that Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing the AFC championship game. Yes, it is. You know, uh, look, Blake Bortles is a frequent, uh, target of humor on the good place. One of the characters <laughs> in the show loves is from Jacksonville, love the Jaguars and is constantly just yelling out Blake Bortles, name yes. all the time. And, um, but, but the truth is the reason that it's funny 50% of the reason it's funny is because the name Blake Bortles is just it's funny. A, it's right. a funny name. When you actually, I had never, I had never watched them play, but when I actually watched them play, I was like, oh, I've seen this. I know this. We all know this before. This is the Mark Sanchez Jets. This is the <laughs> Trent Dilfer Buccaneers. This is right. the like, um, you know, this is the Joe Flacco Ravens even to some extent where like the defense of the team is so good. And the the quarterback is not good, but good enough to hand off to a running back who gains 140 yards, and good enough to like hit a like a. I mean that the p best pass he made yesterday was the little sort of floater down the middle for the touchdown to the fullback who had gone to block for Fournette and then just released up the seam, and and he just floated. I mean, it was a throw I could make. It was just a throw. You he threw the ball straight forward about 15 yards, and the guy caught it for a touchdown. But it was a good throw. It's a it good was, NFL it was throw. It was. And I was like, yeah, that's what Flacco did. That's what Trent Dilfer did. That's what Mark Sanchez could do from time to time. Like we've seen this. This is not a new phenomenon. This is an otherworldly defense with shutdown corners and hard hitting safeties and great like linebackers who flow in the right direction on running plays and, and like a play as Campbell on the defensive line, just like taking up three fourths of the space that's available <laughs> to a running back. So I, I was like, Oh, I, okay. Now I get, I get what this team is. Right. Uh, so I, you know, I was, I was happy that they won and I, and I now, I mean, there, there are many, many, many reasons to root for them over new England. The only thing that's making me at all root for new England is just tribalism, sure. but the Jag, I, I am anti NFL. Now I want the league to just burn to the ground basically. <laughs> and, if you really think about it, like the best way to accomplish that is to have the Jaguars defeat the <clears throat> Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my my prediction, my official prediction is they're going to defeat the Eagles eight to three. Eight to three. They're going to score eight points on four safeties. <laughs> uh, Blake Bortles will be something like three of 17 for 28 yards and three picks. Right. right. Uh, Nick Foles will be nine of 38 for 18 yards and 11 picks. <laughs> Uh, and the game by the end, like half of the stadium will just be empty. It'll be like a, it'll be like a preseason game, and it and it will be the ratings will be terrible. And by the time Roger Goodell gives the trophy 
to the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, by the way, is a Pakistani-born gentleman, which would be yes, exciting. Yes. I would really like to see that happen just for uh, for the optics of it, I think would be wonderful. Uh, by the time that happens, it'll be an empty stadium. Like Goodell's voice will be just echoing through an empty stadium because it will have the game will have just been terrible for so long. And that's so that I'm actively rooting for that. I, I you know, the Patriots have won five Super Bowls. Uh, they've been to two others. They've this is this the actual fact is I believe this is their seventh consecutive AFC Championship game. I mean, it's just absurd. Like, what more can you want if you're a Patriots fan? It just it just feels absurd at this point. And I think that they're the only narrative anybody can find really is like, well, if Brady wins six, then he'll it'll be like Jordan or whatever. Like he's he'll get to that. Somehow six is the magic number when it comes <laughs> <laughs> because it of Jordan. It's like that's yeah, yeah. I what yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I no, I want the Jaguars to win. It would be very good for my desire to watch the NFL crumble and it would be very good for my TV show. <laughs> yes, that's right. And it, it would be very funny. Uh I obviously have no allegiance whatsoever to the Patriots. So it is, it's, it's a slam dunk for me. Sure. I clearly want the, the Jaguars to win. Uh, here's, here's what I will say about football. And then we, we really do need to get to the, uh, to the uh, ballot because uh, there are a lot of names on there. Um, but this is what I will say about football. So uh, yesterday I did watch, I didn't watch uh, all of it. Uh, to be honest, I kind of gave up on that Vikings game at halftime, which was a mistake. Uh, then came back to it very, very late, uh, which was cool. Cause I got to see the ending. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I watched, I watched quite a bit and here's the thing. I didn't care. I really didn't care. I mean, I wanted the Jaguars to win because I think they're, they're funny. And I think that defense really is awesome. Uh, and I think Brad Johnson, I mean, Blake Bortles, whichever one he is, uh, is fine. You know, that's, that's, I, that, that narrative is very fun. Um, however, there, it is impossible, impossible to watch the NFL without having two thoughts. And this is, this is, I've, you know, all I did was watch Browns games this year. These playoff games are the only non-Browns games I've seen all year. So I'm completely out of the NFL mix. And yet, as soon as I come back to it, I'm reminded you cannot watch the NFL without thinking two things. One, uh, it is impossible to officiate an NFL football game. And I hate watching these replay fiascos. I can't. Tolerate them. I don't care. I just, they're making, it's just, it's so frustrating to watch them turn what is just pointless into the most important thing on planet earth. And I just, I look, if it's a, if it's a game deciding play, I get it. But these, these stoppages in the middle of the second quarter for nothing, I just, oh, it just drives me insane. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is, and this was something you and I, could not help ourselves. This is this is what I mean about the NFL. We cannot help ourselves. We had like a twenty text exchange about how idiotic uh, the Steelers' coaching was Ooh. regarding the clock. Right? Ooh. I mean, it was really regarding everything, uh, including pitch plays on fourth and inches, and just bizarre. I, don't, I have no idea what the heck happened uh, there. I, I, it's like the whole coaching staff kind of lost their minds all at once, but. To me, it, it all comes down to, speaking of meaningless, with 2-16 left in the game, uh, the Steelers tried an onside kick, which was absolutely the wrong decision. 100%. There was never a doubt. They had two timeouts and the two-minute warning. There's you, Your defense has to stop them. And, and you could say, well, their defense didn't stop them all day. 
that's fine. If your defense can't stop them, you'll lose. That's that's how it works. But you kick the onside kick, you have a one in what, 30 chance to get it, maybe? They haven't had recovered an onside kick since 2007. So you're almost certainly not going to get the ball that way. And they have, by the way, one of the worst onside kicks I've ever seen. <laughs> you see it, it hit the guy like running. It hit, hit a guy like four yards downfield. I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but then he did something that is meaningless, that's absolutely meaningless, but still drove me insane. So 216 left. Jaguars have the ball almost in field goal range. The game is basically over. Your only hope is you stop them, three quick plays. They miss the field goal or, or somehow you get a negative play and they're out of field goal range or something. So they run the first ball and they, and they gain a couple of yards and they don't call timeout. Right. And they let the clock run all the way down to the two-minute warning for no reason. Absolutely no reason. And I just thought, you know what? You don't deserve to win. If yeah. you don't know the basic math of not letting the clock run down to the two-minute warning, when you have two timeouts left, why would you do that? Why? Yeah. Just You just... It was it, insane. And it wasn't the clock was at 2.02. It was like a no. 2.12 or 2.11. Right. Like they That's lost. Right. They lost. I mean, think about it. Let's let's say they call that timeout and let's say there's 2.11 left on the clock. Right. Then the Jaguars run the ball again and they call their second timeout. Now there's 2.06 left on the clock. That's right. Now one of two things happens. The Jaguars run again. If you stop them, it stops at the two-minute warning. So you are getting a punt. Uh, from from their, you know, whatever, wherever they were at the time. You're getting a punt right. that takes place at the two-minute morning, and you have Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. You have two minutes. You can go – you can drive the length of the field 40 times in two minutes with those guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, and instead, you just for no reason just conceded 12 seconds. And I thought of it – I thought of it many times when it was happening. I thought of it again when uh, Stephon Diggs ran across the goal line with the improbable winning touchdown in the Vikings game because he crossed the goal line as the clock hit zero. And really yes. in those scenarios, every second matters. If they had had, you know, they, they threw that pass with 10 seconds left uh, in the, in that Vikings game. And like, that's fewer seconds than 12 seconds. So if they, if they had made a similar mistake and had lost 12 seconds of time, like, well, now it's just, it's so crazy. Like, they still don't know how to do it. And the, in that game, the first fourth and inches, they tur they ran a play which involved throwing the ball backwards six yards. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. The next play, they pretended to give it to the best running back in football and threw like a 20-yard downfield pass to like a tight end who was in tight coverage. That didn't make any sense. They didn't call the timeouts. They also bought and oh, they, they kicked an onside kick four yards directly sideways and lost the ball, <laughs> which led directly to a field goal. They were down seven at the time. That led to a field goal that essentially put the game out of reach. Then when they got the ball, they got the ball into field goal range with like 30 seconds left. Yes, and then there was a penalty. Is, and then it's like, oh, this is the most obvious thing in the world. You kick, you need 10 points, kick the field goal immediately right. and because you have to score twice anyway so just kick take the field goal and then and then you have to kick an onside kick again man so and instead they kept they say chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and ended up scoring a touchdown with one second on the clock which means <laughs> that nothing good can happen so like i i i it was like mike tomlin i think is a he always seems like such a good coach and his players sure seem to love him and he's had a lot of success and they make the playoffs every year and all that sort of stuff but boy, oh boy! I mean, those are there were at least four just utterly indefensible decisions in that game, 
And, you know, it's easy to obviously be a, a literally a Monday morning quarterback and say, why didn't Ben Roethlisberger just take the, he's, he weighs 300 pounds, just jump straight forward and, <laughs> and get like, or hand to your fullback or something. And it's easy to say that. And you we're not facing the Jaguars defensive line and we're not facing clay as Campbell and whatever. But like, I mean, isn't that a better play than throwing the ball six yards backwards? Oh. I just, I don't understand it. Like, the, the one thing that you know about the Jaguars defense is they're incredibly fast. Every single yes. guy on that team, every linebacker, every safety, every corner, like throwing a throwing a ball six yards backwards when you need one inch seems like a really bad idea. Even if it's Le'Veon Bell, I just I feel like he I feel like they just kind of blew it, man. I just can't I can't escape the idea that is in my head that they that the the Steelers coaching staff blew that game for them. Totally did. I don't think I don't I mean there to me there's no argument. And by the way, the not kicking the field goal when they're in field goal range, like immediately. Because they got it down there with like 40 maybe 40 seconds yeah, left. Yeah, there right? was there was some there was a decent number of seconds left at the moment that I thought, oh, they could kick right here. Like there were th- right. and they're at the four seconds. or something. Sort of, yeah, and they were at the four, and it was like, all right, well, are you going to, uh, you know, the, the, the feeling always is, well, you're that close to the end zone, you might as well try to score the end zone. The only thing that matters there is time. The only thing that matters there is time. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, maybe on the first play, it'll take you five seconds, you'll score. As it turned out, you're playing a really good defense. They got him in his grasp. He, he grounded, illegally grounded the ball, and they that's a 10-second runoff, and then it was over. I just nobody really seems to to play the math except Bill Belichick. Like that's that's <laughs> that's right. That's why his team always wins. You that's know? right. Because he he actually does does these. All right, enough football. Uh, it is time for our uh, annual uh, going through the baseball Hall of Fame ballot. And I I guess to start, I will ask you: Are you taking on a persona this year, or are you just going straight on this one? No, I'm taking on a persona, and the persona is guy who doesn't do any research but has very strong opinions about things based on based on literally nothing. That's my persona. I like it. I like it. So this is yeah. this is guy who uh, just feels very strongly about stuff without knowing a thing. Guy just super super confident in my own opinions based on zero research, <laughs> without any effort to improve myself by learning things about the world I live in. <laughs> I want to make a point very quickly. Um, I, I've written about every one of these people on the ballot. They've been running every single day. We, we This is, uh, I think, the third or fourth straight year I've done this series where I run this, which and it's wonderful, and I get such great feedback, and people are terrific about it. It's great. However, I get a lot of feedback from people who will say things to me that are in the story. Like they'll say, like, oh, you know, really, look, I, I, I don't know how you missed this, but you should have compared him to this guy. When in the story, I have compared him to that guy. And, right. And I just think that is, that's annoying. I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's the one sort of annoying thing. So if you want to do that a few times, that would be. That would be- oh, listen, what's going to happen is I'm going to make a lot of statements that are going to end up being false. Cause again, I've done no research, <laughs> but I'm going to assert them all as true. I'm going to make a lot of wild claims and accusations. Sure. I'm going to, uh, there's no science behind what I'm doing at all. There's no, um, there's no research. I can't emphasize that enough. I'm going to, I'm going to very, very boldly state that certain players have accomplished certain things when I absolutely don't know whether they accomplished those things. I, and, and I'm not going to look it up. Uh, and I'm going to form opinions based on nothing more than my own 
bluster and self-confidence. All right. This is going to be great. It's called, this is called the full – I'm going full Bayless. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> going, this is the, going, doing the full Bayless. I love this. I'm doing a full Bayless on this, yeah. All right. Let's start uh, – we're going to start with some of the newcomers. Uh, and and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw them out, and a couple of them I'm gonna throw out in pairs, just so, to give you the opportunity sure. to make comparisons. So I'm gonna mention a couple of relievers to start with: Brad Lidge and Jason Isringhausen. Great, uh, very clear here. Lidge Hall of Famer, Isringhausen not. <laughs> Uh, Lidge, one of the most feared relievers in uh, baseball. Most feared. That's what. That's why he gets him. One of the most feared. <laughs> Threw so hard. Uh, nobody wanted to face this guy. Right. Uh, he had 225 saves. I mean, think about that for a second. That's, that's, that's top five in history. 225 saves. There's almost no one. I think only four people have more four, saves. Maybe four, that. four or five. Eight. <laughs> he had, he threw 600 innings, had 800 strikeouts. I mean, that's gotta be, that's easily one of the best ratios in history. Uh, no question. I remember very vaguely, he gave up a big home run in some playoff yeah, game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ignore that. I'm going to discount that. That doesn't matter. That's a small sample size. Uh, and uh, yeah, Hall of Famer, Bradley's Hall of Famer. Isringhausen, no, too many injuries. That's the thing with Isringhausen. <laughs> Lots of injuries. Um, yeah. Yeah, too many injuries. Um, uh, he was a starter and a closer, so we get some points for that. I remember when he came up, there was a lot of talk about it, him and uh, Bill Pulsifer. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. rescuing the Mets. And, they, you know, it was like, oh, this guy's this is the future. Never really panned out uh, that guy. So uh, they kind of fell apart. Too many injuries. So, no, he doesn't get it. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Brett Lidge uh, did. Brett Lidge is one of the weirder careers uh, in that uh, when he was good, man, he was really good. When he when he was bad, though, like, I mean, he 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 to me is like the closest reliever there is to uh roy hobbs like, like like there was like when whenever whenever the woman in white stood up he was like unhittable like do you remember he was like completely done he was completely yeah. closed and then he went to the phillies and like almost won the mvp award just out of kind of like what like i thought he was done and uh you know he gave he, he was incredible then he gave up the pool holes home run that you mentioned uh sort of right and right uh, and then he was terrible then it was just like he couldn't get anybody out then he went to the phillies and he was like oh my gosh he's back he's incredible he's great and then um yeah sort of sort of the opposite of of that he was terrible the next year just weird just a weird career uh isringhausen whatever i i mean he's 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 he, you know isringhausen had by the way here's one here's one that if you had known this you would have you would have used it. Same number of saves as Hall of Famer Bruce Souter. Oh man, I wish I had done research. That would have really bolstered my, uh, or I guess it contradicted my argument. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. You were guessing anyway. Aubrey Huff and Carlos Lee are our next two. Great. Uh, very clear here. Uh, neither one of them a Hall of Famer. Uh, Carlos Lee uh, wasn't in very good physical shape. <laughs> For most of his career, and you just can't—he didn't look good in the uniform, so you can't—you can't have that. You don't want to sully the Hall of Fame is a sacred place. It it's a—it's a sacred place, and when you think of the Hall of Fame, you think of Joe DiMaggio. Right. You know, you think of Ted Williams, the fighter pilot. You think of Mickey Mantle. You think of Ted Klazuski and his uh, high, you know his high sleeves there. <laughs> Carlos Lee—he doesn't look—he just doesn't look like a Hall of Famer to me. He just is like—I uh, mean, sure, he was a fine hitter, but he's a little portly. He was a little thick around the middle, and you just—you know what I mean? You just can't have guys like that in the Hall of Fame. It's just unseemly. <laughs> and uh, so I say no. Uh, and then Aubrey Huff—I mean, what a ding dong this guy is. <laughs> you know, 
I don't know. I mean, he was a good player, but boy, oh boy, just a great A ding dong, this guy. So um, just on for political reasons, I'm just choosing to say no. He's <laughs> By the, by the way, the, the great thing about that is 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 obviously the lack of facts and you putting Ted Klazuski in the Hall of Fame. Just just decided you were going to put him in. Uh, in, Hall of Fame. Uh, in my mind, <laughs> I don't like the reality. Of this is unimportant to me. In my mind, he's in the Hall of Fame. By the way, like, he in my sh- head should be. He should be not not. I mean, he was a great player. He was he was a very fine player. It was a very short career. He should be just because it sounds so much better when you say DiMaggio and Klazuski, you know, that just makes the hall of fame sound so much more authoritative. What is, what is, what is honestly, what what is, what the heck's going on with Aubrey Huff? What, what is, what's going on in that mind of his? Uh, You know, it's probably best we, we not even guess. (laughs) (laughs) That is probably a fair point. A fair point. All right. How about him? Good hitter, though. Aubrey Hoff, very good. Underrated hitter because he played in Tampa Bay for a long time. He and, was a really no good one hitter. Cared. Uh, yeah, very good hitter, that guy. But uh, not a Hall of Famer. No, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. But he was. He really was a good hitter. I, I you know, in doing this, it's fun uh, to go back and look at some of these guys that are better than you remembered. I mean, I kind of remembered Aubrey Hoff as sort of the whatever, the mascot kind of, you know, he's still pretty good with the Giants, but he was more of a mascot type player at that point. Uh, but yeah, and you go back to some of those years in Tampa Bay, they're good. I mean, they're some of these guys like that are not going to the Hall of Fame had two or three or more Hall of Fame seasons. You know? Yeah, well, we're now at the point where these guys um, who are on the ballot uh, played through the era, the offensive explosion era, right. you know, like right. they're right. all those guys are now up for uh, for consideration. So you're going to get these guys like Carlos Lee. Carlos Lee had almost 400 home runs or something. 350 home runs. Yeah. I mean, these are like these are very good numbers. These guys have and they're not they're not going to sniff the Hall of Fame. Like, exactly yeah, right. it's it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's like it's not no one who has 358 home runs is like an automatic into the Hall of Fame. But if you if you just looked at his stats, I mean, he's going to have Carlos. He's going to have better stats than a lot of Hall of Famers. They're just, well, just, I, that's I, just the deal, I, you know. Right. No, and I wrote that. I wrote that his his stats are, are almost identical uh, to Orlando Cepeda, who is in the Hall of Fame. So right, you know, crazy. Of course, they're very different. I mean, even though the stats are similar, because of the time, they they weren't equal players or, or even close to equal players. But right, still amazing. All right, what about Hideki Mitsui? There's a Yankee for you. Oh, easy Hall of Famer. Easy. Uh, wore the pinstripes. You know what? He was. A, he was. He wore the pinstripes. That's one thing. He was a key part of uh, a number of you know great Yankee teams. Um, he was a very feared hitter. That's a big. That's a big thing with me. With not with I. I didn't do any research, guy. Uh, how feared you were. He was a very feared hitter from the left side of the plate. He's very patient at the plate. Uh, that 2003 team that uh, that uh, made the series, the 2004 team that uh, I don't remember what happened to them, uh, but they in both he was on both of those teams, and he was always like a guy you didn't want to see up in the big spot. Uh, he also had, I assume, a career in a different country that was probably really good. Um, again, I'm not doing any research, um, and I believe uh, there's also a great story about him having a very large pornography collection. I, right? I've Isn't heard, that Matsui? Yeah. It, Yes. Again, I, I I only have a vague memory of it, and I'm not going to look it up because I promised myself I wouldn't do any research. But I remember the the story being he had a he had like a vintage pornography collection that he was neither ashamed of nor uh, reticent to discuss. Oh, no, to and he was fully fully proud of it, and would actually 
at, at, at times simply bring it up to reporters. Not, yeah. they didn't even ask. They didn't even right. ask. He seems like, like a very enlightened guy, <laughs> a very like, a very like progressive person. Uh, so, you know what? I'm going to say hall of famer. What? Hideki, uh, what, what, what was the pitch? You hit the uh, home run. Did I tell you about my porn collection? Yeah. I, I don't remember. I think it was a change-up. But listen, let me tell you about my pornography collection. Hideki <laughs> Mitsui was an amazing player in Japan, obviously. And, he, you know, that's where he got the Godzilla nickname, which I did. Of course, I am, as research guy, I can tell you, he got the Godzilla nickname not for his his uh, power, even though he did have tremendous power in Japan. He had 50 home runs one year. Um, he got it because of his skin condition when he was young. It's like it was like a cruel oh, no. nickname. By kids. Oh, that's I know. so much less fun. I know, but then he he embraced it and loved it. So, and he, by the way, seems like their porn porn collection aside, seems like one of the all time great guys. Like just a, just somebody who who never seemed to want to cause problems for anybody. Just a great great guy. Uh, he's not going to the Hall of Fame, but I have said, and I do believe this. There should be an international Hall of Fame. I mean, right now the are the the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown does not uh, does not acknowledge international play. I mean, it does in the museum, but not in the. And I think it should. I think it should. I think Sadahara O ought to be in the Hall of Fame, and I think Hideki Matsui. When you combine their careers, you can make a good argument for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right, Kerry Wood and Kevin Millwood. Uh, this is very easy, very easy call here. Kerry Wood, obvious Hall of Famer. Obvious. Uh, sure. Struck out 20 guys in a game. Um, <laughs> you know, right there, that's most of what you need to get into the Hall that's, of Fame. I would say. What percentage does that get him into the Hall of Fame? What percentage? That's like, that's like he gets halfway there just with that. Because, <laughs> like, how many guys have ever done that? Well, one other guy, right? Who's <laughs> not in the Hall of Fame? 50%. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but also, here's what it is with Kerry Wood. It, this is a, it's, it's very, uh, this is the uh, Sandy Koufax thing, right? It's like potential. Like, yeah, he was hampered by injuries and he, he was limited and he, he kept getting hurt over and over again. And, um, and, but like, if you look at his potential, what he could have been, he could have been the greatest pitcher of all time. Sure. And so, given that, you got to put him in because <laughs> he, because of its, because of potential. Uh, Millwood, uh, he doesn't quite get in for me. Uh, he was on those Braves teams that underachieved, you know, like they only won one sure. World Series and whatever. They won 15 <laughs> straight division titles, they only won one World Series. So basically everyone on those teams is very suspect to me. So you wouldn't put any of them in? They, well, they didn't get enough rings, man. You know, like, you where, show me the rings. Like, show me the rings, Kevin Millwood. How many rings do you have? Like, they won every year and they couldn't get over that hump. And I blame not only him, but everyone uh, equally. <laughs> so, so you would take... Maddox and, and Smoltz and Glavin out of the hall. Yeah, I think I would. Well, I wouldn't take them out, but I would. I, if they were up now, I would vote against them, of course. Yeah, because not enough rings. Um, yeah, so... Uh, the thing I would uh, say is amazing is that Kevin Millwood was a... Uh, he was a good pitcher. Kevin Millwood was a good pitcher. Kerry Wood, uh, as you mentioned, certainly was was at times terrific, but, but as a career, you know, because of the injuries and all that, uh, nobody remembers Kevin Millwood. I mean, Kerry Wood, everybody remembers Kerry Wood. Nobody remembers Kevin Millwood. And they're pretty similar, you know, as far as their career accomplishments or whatever the case may be. But this is how baseball is. Base, that's why – that's one thing I don't like. Well, there are, there are numerous things I don't like. But that's one of the things I don't like about Hall of Fame, uh, the way a lot of people look at the Hall of Fame. It's like, well, this guy's in, this guy's in. Nobody's the same. 
nobody, you know, you know, when you look at the, the two people, even if they have the same exact numbers, the way they did it was different. The context is different. Everything is different. So you look at Kevin Millwood, you look at Kerry Wood. I mean, Kevin Millwood, not that interesting <laughs> career, really. <laughs> Kerry Wood, fascinating career. Absolutely yeah. fascinating career, you know, yeah. so it's just a little something. Uh, all right. How about, how about, here, here's one for you. Orlando Hudson. Oh, dog. Oh, dog. Oh, dog. Easy, easy call here, Hall of Famer. Oh, dog. <laughs> Uh, just this guy. Well, first of all, the nickname gets you halfway there, right? right. <laughs> um, O-Dog, a great fielder, a truly slick fielding second baseman. He was slick. He uh, was slick fielding. He, he won uh, four gold gloves. Four gold nice. gloves. How many people have ever like won four gold gloves? How many, literally, in the history of baseball, <laughs> how many people have won four gold gloves? I'll tell you, no one else. He's the only man to ever do it. Uh, he hit 300 uh, in 2008 with the Diamondbacks. Uh, so he was a great hitter. We know that from that piece of information. By the way, I'm betraying myself. I'm now doing research. <laughs> but, but but the sort of research I would expect you to do, sort of the casual <laughs> glancing research that is that is that is worth it. O dog in his career, 85 stolen bases, 28 caught stealing. Who has ever had a better ratio than that in the history of the game? I'll tell you, no one. Top ratio of all time, stolen bases to cost stealing for a career. Uh, so that, I mean, it's easy. Easy call. Slick fielding, second baseman, four gold gloves, two-time All-Star, hit 300. Uh, yeah, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. By the way, slick fielding is is really something cool to be, if that is your, if that is the description on the back of your podcast baseball card, slick fielding, second baseman or whatever, that's as good as it gets. That's a, right that, who's going to beat that? Yeah. That's amazing. Who's going to beat that? An amazing. All right, so here's a question for you. It was an amazing career for O-Dog. Here, here's a question for you about O-Dog in general. O-Dog uh, was one of the very few baseball players who actually did chatter on the field, like actual hey, bada, bada, chatter on the field. I don't think he said hey, bada, bada, but he was famous for never shutting up when he was out there on the field. Great. Um, where do you stand on that? Where do you stand on I chatter mean, in Major League games? Were you on the fence about whether or not Orlando Hudson should be in the Hall of Fame. If you were, you're now firmly in my camp because that is Hall of Fame behavior. That's team leadership. That is, is. that is positive attitude. That is throwback. That is th- that is a that is a throwback to an earlier time that we can all celebrate. Come on, you got it. That now 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 I expect a unanimous vote. <laughs> Levon Hernandez and Chris Carpenter and Carlos Embrano. I'm going to throw all three of them in there. Whoa. I'm going to throw all three right-handers uh, of their time, all of about similar value. Levon Hernandez, Chris Carpenter, and Carlos Zambrano. Who's going in? Easy call here. Uh, all three Hall of Famers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Levon Hernandez. What, I mean, what do you need to know? First of all, he had a winning record in his career. That's a key, he did. key uh, by one game. He was 178 and 177. <laughs> Uh, but the reason Levon gets in is very obviously the clinching game uh, the against the Braves, right? Struck out 16. Right. Now, did <laughs> Forrest Gregg's strike zone in that game extend from the outer edge of each batter's box across the plate to the outer edge of the far batter's box? Yes, it did. Is that Levon yes, Hernandez's fault? No. Did he strike out 16 guys and clinch the NLCS for the Marlins? Yes, he certainly did. Big game pitcher. That's all you need to know about Levon Hernandez. Big game pitcher 
with a <laughs> 95 career ERA plus. Let's just ignore that. Big game pitcher, Levon Hernandez, Hall of Famer, Chris Carpenter. Now we're back at the uh, we're back at the um, uh, uh, Kerry Wood thing. It's potential. It's all potential. With Chris Carpenter. Lots of injuries for Chris Carpenter. But if he hadn't been injured, what kind of guy could he have become? We don't. We'll never know. But it could have well, could have been great. And then Zambrano is easy Hall of Fame call for this, for one simple reason: great hitting pitcher. Right. Great. That's the thing. About, that's that's the thing everybody knows about Zambrano. Great, good pitcher. Very good pitcher. One twenty career ERA plus. That's pretty good. Uh, and you know, uh, through almost two thousand innings, which I think is the most innings any pitcher's ever thrown. Um, <laughs> In baseball history, but also, but, but he could mash the guy could mash. I mean, how do, how do you put a price tag on that? How do you not put Zambrano right into the hall of fame based on that alone? It's he could mash. I mean, there's no question he could mash. It's, I went back by the way and looked at some of the, uh, strike calls in that Levon Hernandez. Uh, it's game. amazing, isn't it? You, there's there's YouTube videos where you can watch them all in a row, and it is shocking. It's shocking. It really is shocking, especially now where if a ball is like a third of an inch outside and the umpire calls it a strike, we all have like a Twitter fit. And we just go insane. <laughs> what is this guy even watching? I mean, how could he not call that 100-mile-an-hour fastball a third of an inch outside a, ball, a strike? How is he insane, you know? These balls are two and a half, three feet outside consistently. And it some is, of them, it's some, truly shocking, yeah. <laughs> some of them look like they are actually five feet outside, and they kind of broke in to two feet outside. And then well, they, the they final close. pitch, the final pitch of the game, the called strike three to <laughs> McGriff is it, it's like eye level and, a, and, a, and 18 inches outside. It's one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. Now, here's the thing. I, you feel really bad watching that for the Braves, Yes, but then you watch a compilation of strike calls that were given to <laughs> Greg Maddox Tom, uh, Glavin. Tom Glavin in that same era. And you're like, Oh, okay. It's fine. Like there, <laughs> there are, there are whole games where Maddox is just throwing that sort of that, that tailing, whatever two seamer that he threw the one that if you were a right-hander, it started outside and, and, and felt right. like a changeup motion uh, that bends back toward the plate. I mean, they're, they are, Javi Lopez would be set up outside the, like in the batter's <laughs> box and he would just hit the target every time and they would call strike three. And it's like they paid for it. Karmically, they paid for it in that game with Levon Hernandez. Well, I've said that. Braves fans who have said and complained about that, uh, that game, I'm like, look, you're not wrong. But I got to tell you, Tom Glavin did not throw a strike in game six against Cleveland in the 1995 World Series. He didn't throw a single strike in the entire game. Yeah. Just, at some point, he's like, I don't have to. I do not have to throw a strike. Uh, really weird. It's weird that because only certain guys, other people, the strike zone was tiny. Just like, you know, that was part of the part of the power thing. And we all know about the steroids and the weightlifting and all that. But part of it is the strike zone was ridiculously small and 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 you had to you had to go into the hitter zones in order to get strikes except for a few guys most of them Braves um who just got incredible calls outside yep. of the zone it's just insane just insane all right uh and then let's go with the lefty uh Jamie Moyer yes uh, Jamie I'm Moyer first ballot hall of famer Jamie Moyer um <laughs> First of all, the word that comes to mind is longevity. You're going to say longevity. Yes. 
He pitched, uh, I believe he pitched until he was 71 years old. Uh, he, 71, he was, yes, that's he right. won, no joke, he won 269 games. There probably aren't that many people in the Hall of Fame who won more games than he did. Now, it should be noted, those 269 games, he won eight games a year for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> but... I mean, he he uh, four thousand innings, the most innings anyone has ever thrown in the history of baseball. Um, there's no one else. Uh, the, the only person who's thrown the same number is Carlos Zambrano, who threw two thousand. Don't don't question my math on this. Uh, but longevity, crafty lefty, the greatest crafty lefty of all time. The the traditional yes, thinking about the, the Hall of Fame is if someone is the best that there has ever been at a position, you got to put that person in. Well, guess what? Who is a better crafty lefty than Jamie Moyer? No one. Hall of Famer. No one. No one. Craftiest. The craftiest lefty of all time. Just super duper uh, crafty. I, you know, I, I I do love his career. I love Jamie Moyer's career in, in so many ways. I love that he, you know, basically from the day – there's there's I wrote uh, the piece, obviously, about Jamie Moyer. And the thing that struck me was when Moyer was in high school, he was – uh, dominant. He was a dominant high school pitcher, as as almost all major league, eventual major league pitchers are. So he was dominant, and and all he cared about baseball was, you know, that was his entire life. And he fully expected to get drafted, and he didn't get drafted at all. Um, didn't I don't think anybody even considered drafting him. And he was like the big hero in the town. So when he did not get drafted, the the local paper wrote a story. Asking scouts like, "Oh, how in the world could you pass up on on Jamie Moyer?" And one scout who you know said, "Oh, well, you know, he might still get drafted. He he just needs to get a little faster." You know, they're saying that <laughs> in high school, and and I just thought that was awesome that at 18 years old, Jamie Moyer had to look in the mirror and say, "Oh, this is I'm I'm Jamie Moyer. That's 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 who I'm going to be." I think at that point he was like, "I'm going to be Steve Carlton." It's like, no, you're going to kind of have to be a a, a crafty yeah. Jamie Moyer for the next 45 years of your life. So um, great career, great career for Jamie Moyer. All right. Uh, now let's go with some guys that are going to be a little tougher for you because these are guys that, that some people actually think okay. should be in the hall of fame. So from, from here on in, here we go. Omar Vizcal. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Easy, easy call here. Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah. He played in almost 3000 games. Uh, the, which is a record. Yeah, the most number right. of games anyone has ever played in Major League Baseball. <laughs> um, he had more than 10,000 at-bats. He scored 1,400 runs. Yeah. He had nearly 3,000 hits, 2,877 hits. There's only six people in the history of baseball who have had more hits than him. Uh, he is, and he's a uh, slick fielding. You want to talk about slick fielding? How about Omar Vizquel, yeah, the yeah, slickest of them all? Uh, the the Probably one of the three, one of the three greatest fielding shortstops in history, um, this is based on uh, only my recollection and memory. Uh, he, he almost never made errors. He uh, he got to every ball. He was good to his left. He was good to his right. He was a he hit second, I think, or first or second on that legendary Indians team. Uh, the that crazy offense uh, that scored a thousand runs. Sure. Um, you know, well, 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 should I keep going? Have I not made a convincing <laughs> argument for Omar Vizquel as a Hall of Famer? It's absurd. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer. Not troubled in the least by that 82 OPS plus, are you? What are you talking about? What's OPS plus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, Omar Vizquel is going to be the controversial guy. For you the think next, so? 
10 years. He's going to be the Jamie, the, the Jack Morris, I think, of the next 10 years. I do. I think there are people that feel very, very, very strongly that he belongs. There are going to be people that feel very, very strongly that he doesn't belong. And uh, he's going to ride that sort of really unfair. I didn't even, I didn't want that for Jack Morris. I mean, Jack Morris has gotten in now. Jack Morris is in the Hall of Fame. Um, but he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve 15 years of people just picking his career apart, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's not right. I mean, he kind of deserved it in that he made an issue of it every year. <laughs> like he got it. Yeah, he, he did. Didn't, he, he didn't did. shy he away did. from that. He didn't say like, hey, everyone, I just want to be left alone. He like was campaigning for himself all the time. So I kind of think he does deserve people picking over his career a little bit. But whatever. Well, I think Omar Vizquel will also campaign somewhat for himself. Um, but uh, Omar, you know, look, terrific, terrific fielder. Uh, got a lot of hits. I, I didn't vote for him. Um, all right. Johnny Damon. Uh, easy call here. Easy call. Hall of Famer. Johnny Damon. Yeah. Uh, first of all, just the Grand Slam and the two-run homer in the in Game 7 of the 2004 LCS. That alone gets you, that gets you 50% of the way there. <laughs> that, those two, that, moment, that big game, that gets you 50% of the way there. Uh, he played in 2,500 games in his career. It's the most in Major League Baseball history. Um, he had almost 2,800 hits. Uh, he had 408 stolen bases. He walked more than a thousand times. He had a, a career 352 on base percentage. He was the leadoff hitter of some of the best offenses in history. He played center field. It's a hard position. Uh, he had long flowing hair. That was a memorable thing about him that should get you another 20% of the way to the hall of fame. So I say Johnny Damon, easy call hall of famer. Those 408 stolen bases. It's the most in history. Yeah. Number one in history. Most in history, I thought. I think that's a record. Uh, yeah, Johnny Damon. By the way, Johnny Damon. About I don't know. I guess this is. He, it's hard to believe he's been retired for five years, but he has. Uh, I would say seven or eight years ago, there was. I, I would. I don't know exactly what I would describe it as, but there was like a a sense of tension in the baseball sort of uh, Hall of Fame uh, voting community because. It sure as heck looked yeah, like it sure did. at that point, right? <laughs> it did. And all of a sudden, there was like this weird, like, well, if he gets 3,000 hits, that's kind of a Hall of Fame like thing. He's got to go to the Hall of Fame, and I don't want to put him in the Hall of Fame. And it was like this sort of weird back and forth, and he ended up falling short. But it reminded me of in the 80s, there was sort of the same thing with 400 home runs back then, which is hard to believe. But every player who had 400 home runs – uh, was in the Hall of Fame, and right. uh, Dave Kingman hit his 400th home run, and there was like this, oh, what do we do? What do we, I mean, Dave Kingman has 400 home runs. Everybody's has 400 home runs. This is in the Hall of Fame. What are we supposed to do here? What are we supposed to do? And and they they were able to solve the problem by just not voting him into the Hall of Fame. That seemed that was a <laughs> fairly, fairly easy way to handle it. So I suspect they would have done this yeah. thing with uh, with Johnny Damon. Well, after. After Damon's age thirty-seven season, he had more than twenty-seven hundred hits, and he had been averaging—he had been averaging more than one hundred and fifty yeah. a year for four straight years. So it seemed like, all right, by the time he's forty, like he'll hang on and he'll have three thousand hits. And it would have been hard. I mean, like he had over five hundred doubles. Yeah, he had. You know, he he could hit for power occasionally. He had four hundred stolen no, bases. No, there are he, numbers you can put together with him that put yeah. him in very very elite group. If you if you put together his stolen bases and his hits and his doubles and his runs scored, I think. Uh, and it's like yeah, he had nine. He had nine straight years of scoring a hundred runs yeah. in the middle of his career, he, and then a, and then a tenth later on, like. 
yeah, he uh, he, he there there was a ca- he was going to build a case with with three more decent years that were like you know tail end of your career uh, years. He would have he would have had a very good argument. Yeah, I, I think he would have gotten kind of the Craig Biggio thing. I think he would have kind of gotten in, uh, sort of sneaking in because he would have had the three thousand hits as sort of his baseline. Uh, plus one of the all time great characters in the game, right? Yeah. I mean, just one of the all time great characters. All right, here's a very tough one. I, I don't know if I'm going to get, uh, you know, which version of, of, of you I'm going to get for this, but what do you do with Johan Santana? Uh, easy call here, Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> now, the, the tragedy of Santana is the injuries, but you already know how I feel yes. about this. When when any, oh, that's right. when that's any right. player has a career short by injuries, you then you, you credit that player with what he would have accomplished using your imagination and extending his career. So... That's you know the last full year Johan Santana uh, pitched. He was 31. That's insane. Like he pitched one more year. He was out of baseball in 2011. He came back in 2012. Had one more year, but it wasn't a full season. It was sort of a, he threw 117 innings. But when he a, after his age 31 season, this guy was a Hall of Famer. This guy was heading towards the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He led the league in so many things, so many times. He led the league in starts, ERA three times. He led the league in wins once. He had he led the league in strikeouts three years in a row. He led the league in ERA plus and and FIP and WHIP and hits per nine innings three years in a row. WHIP four years in a row. Like this guy, he, this guy was a Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, he also always, always, always came up huge in the playoffs. And I don't want you to check my <laughs> data on that. I just know for a fact that he always came up huge in the playoffs and always won. Yeah, huge, especially especially against, against the Yankees. Without, I'm sure that's true. I haven't. I don't want to look it up, but I'm sure that's true. But the fact is that as a career, what he so he last pitched at age 31, and then injuries just completely derailed him. But I am using the rule that I'm allowed to use because I made it up, which is that I then just extend mentally his career into what he could have been, and then I credit him with all of those stats, and then I announce that he's a Hall of Famer. I like it. I like it. Well, then I'm going to throw two at you right now. Billy Wagner and Trevor Hoffman, and there's a reason I'm throwing them out there. With you, <laughs> and what, what reason is that, I wonder? <laughs> you don't have any idea what it could be. All right. Uh, Billy Wagner and Trevor Hoffman. Billy Wagner, easy call, Hall of Famer. Um, one of the most feared pitchers in baseball. You already know how I feel about fear. He was incredibly feared. He was left-handed, which is cool. There aren't that many left-handed closers. Um, he threw really hard. He had a his career whip was under one. He had 422 saves, which is tops in MLB history. Uh, yes. He only gave up this. My favorite stat about him, by the way, is he gave up 601 hits in 903 innings, which is an incredibly. It's almost exactly. Uh, uh, two hits every three innings, which is such a wonderful thing. Like if he'd just given up one more hit, it would have been perfect. Uh, but you know, what do you, what do you, what else do you need? So feared, so feared that guy. Nobody more feared than him. And I mean, it goes without saying. If you look at his statistics, which you know I I I don't like to do, but if you look at his statistics, um, he was an all star. Basically, he was an all star when he was twenty seven, and he was an all star again when he was thirty eight. I mean, who who else? That's the longest wow. spread in baseball history. No one else has ever accomplished that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Billy Wagner, easy call. I would say easy call Hall of Fame. And then Trevor Hoffman. I mean, what do you need to know about Trevor Hoffman? How many? Do you know how many saves Trevor Hoffman had in his career? Six hundred one. Number one. Number one in I history. Number, all, number one all wow. time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean, this guy uh, who. Uh, here's a, here's a crazy stat about Trevor Hoffman that I just made up. You know how many hits he gave? 
up off his changeup in his career, in his entire this career. The, his whole career yeah. off of his changeup. A thousand innings. How many hits do you think Trevor Hoffman gave up in his career off his changeup? How many do you think? I don't, I don't know. The answer it's, is going to shock you. The answer is like 40. <laughs> wow. Like 40 hits? <laughs> yeah. That's wow. That's the, the actual answer is like 40. <laughs> yeah, I think I get I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, there's no question. Trevor, 600 saves. Uh, career whip just over one. What do you uh, What do you want from me, Hall? Easy, easy call, Hall. Why would I bring up these two uh, right after I brought up Johan Santana? This is a very interesting uh, point. Trevor Hoffman is going to get elected this year, uh, and I think it'll be a delightful day when he does get elected. He's a wonderful soul. Uh, was a great pitcher, great closer. His uh, Hell's Bells thing was super awesome and love it and love this guy. So I'm, I'm thrilled for him. Great. Billy Wagner is not going to uh, get elected to the Hall, despite your your excellent case for him. By the way, this is true. I'm going to give you a true fact about uh, him. That .998 whip of his is the lowest since dead ball. It is the lowest whip of any pitcher since really? dead ball. So there's a little a little Billy Wagner. Yeah, about that. Billy the Billy Wagner people and, and I know they're out there have done a very poor job of of promoting that part of his case. To me, you throw that out there. I mean just just push it. You know, there's actually even in Dead Ball, there's only one guy who had a better whip than him. So it it feels to me like that would be something you push. Again, Billy Wagner probably not gonna get in the hall of him. Johan Santana's gonna fall off the ballot this year. I, I don't see how you can make the argument that Trevor Hoffman or Billy Wagner was a better pitcher than Johan Santana. No way. I just I just don't see how you can make that argument. I, I really don't. And yet, this is where we are. Because of the roles they, they played, and, and look, the roles are important, but because of the roles they played, uh, you know, Billy, Billy Wagner is going to stay on the ballot, Trevor Hoffman is going to go into Hall of Fame, and Johan Santana is going to be retired to some, you know, Whatever the non Hall of Fame ballot of this guy is, I guess it just you know what's it makes no sense. You know what's crazy about Billy Wagner is he had basically he had one weakness as a pitcher, which is that he was a little wild. He in his career walked three guys per nine innings, which is not a very good number uh, for no, for a closer. High. But he was so unhittable that his whip was still the lowest of any pitcher <laughs> since the dead ball era. That's how impossible it was to get a hit off the guy. He gave up six hits per nine innings. That's ridiculous. That's like if you have one season where you hit that number, you're thrilled. And he did that for his career over 900 innings. Like it, it is, it, it is, it's shocking when you see that. He gave up three walks per nine innings as a closer and still, first of all, had a 12 he had a 12, point 12 strikeouts per nine innings at a point nine nine eight whip. That's that's absurd. I mean, you're I mean, you obviously make the argument. Um, the the argument you make is purely based on his like uh, on the role he played. And but if you had one inning, uh, to if you had if you had to bring someone in for for one inning, you would definitely bring in Wagner over Hoffman. And if you had to pitch any of the three of them in any scenario in their prime, you probably pick Santana, right? Like he was. I, I think you would never, you would never trade Santana for either of the other two. No, in his prime, you wouldn't probably wouldn't trade him for both no. of them. I mean, and, and that's it's not a knock. That's just the roles that they played. But if I had to put them in order, and again, I want to make this clear, I I, I think it's going to be great when Trevor Hoffman goes in the Hall of Fame. I'm not in any way against his case. I I get it. I understand it. But he's the third best Hall of Fame case of those yeah. three guys, in yeah. my view. I, you know, I mean, I really think that's true. 
But that's the way it is. That's where we're going to go. All right. Andrew Jones. Where are you on Andrew uh, Jones? Pretty, pretty obvious here. Hall of Famer. Uh, Andrew Jones. <laughs> who about oh, Isring House and, yeah. and Hoff and Aubrey Hoff? Everybody else I is guess in. Everybody else yeah. is um, Andrew Jones. Okay. A couple of things about Andrew Jones. <laughs> Number one, great fielding center fielder. Unbelievable fielding center fielder. Uh, made the majors when he was 19. Sure. How many other people have done that? I'll tell you. Zero. No one's ever made it. I don't think. Um, hit 50 home runs one year, um, was on the, uh, was on that, uh, uh, 96 team that, uh, they were up 2-0 in the world series over the Yankees. I'm pretty sure they won. I don't remember what happened there. Uh, but an unbelievable center field gold glove, multiple gold gloves, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten gold gloves for Andrew Jones. Um, that's a record, isn't it? I think it's, I can't imagine anybody has more than 10, um, 400 home runs, uh, I mean, 150 stolen bases. <laughs> that's crazy. In 152 <laughs> stolen bases, it was caught 60 times, man. Don't yeah, stop, stop trying to steal, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, we career cut short by injury. And so you know the rule. We get to now extend his career uh, into the future and, <laughs> and extrapolate, give him whatever credit we want to give him for anything. And so I'm going to give him another... 66 home runs, get him up to 500. I'll give him another, you know, let's see. I'll give him another 400 hits or something. I like that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, easy call. Yeah, I like the adding as many home runs as necessary to get him to, to 500. I think that that seems fair. Um, very yeah. cool way of spelling Andrew, by the way. I, I, I've thought in numerous times since then, everybody should spell Andrew that way. That's a cooler way to spell Andrew. <laughs> See, I've had the opposite thought. I've had no one should ever spell it that way. <laughs> Andrew Jones is, is creating a bit of a stir because by by uh, this, and I know you've not heard of this, but by this statistic uh, that they use for war, wins above replacement, uh, the defensive component of that uh, contends that there's a reasonable chance he's the greatest center fielder in the history of the game defensively. And uh, the feeling seems to be that if he is the greatest defensive center fielder ever, and he has 400 plus home runs, uh, you got to put him in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that is that is uh, an argument that is being uh, waged out there in the wilds of of baseball Hall of Fame. Huh. So yeah, it's kooky. It's kind of nutty. Do you think you do you think you, you should start now saying whether you think you, you whether you believe these people? I did. I did not vote for him. I did. I did think very hard about voting for him. I I basically had one free vote as far as I'm concerned. And there were nine guys on this thing that I felt like I had to vote for and, and was definitely going to vote for. So there was one free spot. I did not give it to Andrew Jones. Um, but I, I see the argument. I don't know that he's the greatest defensive center fielder ever. I I, I think the stats are are shaky largely because uh, you judge his defense way different than you judge, say, Willie Mays or Gary Maddox or Kurt Flood or, or one of the other great defensive center fielders. Um, so you judge him differently. I mean, he was great. He was definitely a great defensive center fielder. Was he that great? Uh, like to the point where, like Ozzie Smith, you just have to put him in because he's so much better than everybody else. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I would love for him to stay on the ballot so that he, his case can be uh, really explored. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but uh, but he, he did not get my vote. All so, right. So we'll, we'll discuss that point. Um, let's go to Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Uh, easy call. Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> swinging. Th- no, so I like this. What I like about this is, is no fat guy is not a steroid guy. 
He doesn't no. care about steroids. Oh, I forgot. No fact I forgot about the he took steroids. <laughs> um, no, this is an easy call. It's 600 home runs. That's all you need to know. 600 home yeah. runs. And beginning and end of case. Uh, you hit 600 home runs, you get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, played with a lot of joy in his heart. Ran out to right field, pointed at the crowd, got him psyched up. Uh, swing Sammy Sosa. MVP. There's another thing. You win the MVP, guess what? You belong in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> All MVPs belong in the Hall yes, of Fame. Yes, yes. I mean, you're the best player. That's the what do you, what do you, what do you want? 400, 400 total bases twice. Who else has done that in history? No one. First no time one. in first time in MLB history. <laughs> yeah. Sammy, Sammy Sosa did, in fact, uh, have the greatest five year run of home run hitting uh, in baseball history. Uh, hit three. He had sixty. Uh, home runs three times uh, during a five-year stretch. And then, as you uh, – here's a cool little baseball fact for you, uh, no fact, man. Um, he led the league in home runs twice, but none of the years that he hit 60-plus home runs, which is – Ooh, no fact guy times. likes that fact. <laughs> Isn't that a good stat? Yeah, that's, that's a, a good, fun – That's a very good stat, fun, yeah. Fun, kooky stat. Um, the thing I'd say about Sammy Sosa is his entire case is the home runs. That's right. That's – that's his whole case. And you can make a very good argument that if that's his whole case, it's good enough. I mean, he, he nobody hit home runs. During that five-year stretch, nobody has ever hit home runs like that ever. Even even McGuire, even Bonds, even, uh, you know, Mays, Mantle, Ruth. Nobody's ever hit home runs quite like that, that he did those five years. Um, the rest of the case, though, just is not – I just don't think because of the way the offensive era was in the 90s, I just don't think home runs are enough. I think you've got to bring a little more to the table than just home runs. And uh, he really kind of didn't. So super duper close. Another guy I thought very hard about it, but he also did not get my 10th vote. So. All right. I mean, you're wrong. You're obviously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been wrong about so many of these guys because I haven't picked one yet that I voted for. Uh, Fred McGriff. Where are you on Fred McGriff? Um, Fred McGriff doesn't, doesn't get in. Oh, poor crime yeah. dog. I'm sorry. Doesn't get in. Doesn't not good enough. I'll tell you why. Not enough rings. <laughs> uh, didn't. How many rings did? He, how many rings does Fred McGriff have? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Actually, off the top of my head, I'll tell you how many. Zero. <laughs> well, now, don't check me on this. I'm not sure if he was on the team. Oh, he was on the team in '95. All right, fine. He has one ring. One ring. You think that's enough to get it to to make the Hall of Fame? Sorry, buddy. You have a career, 19 year career. You need more than one ring. Just straight up, but, no art, no, but, no more argument. But Sammy Sosa, uh, but Sammy Sosa had no rings. You just said Sammy yeah, Sosa. Yeah, but he ran out to right field and pointed at the crowd and got them all psyched up. Did McGriff do that? No. Did the did the Tom Amansky commercials? That gets him about fifty percent of the way there. <laughs> Honestly, that is one of the things that is a huge check mark in his favor is the Tom Amansky commercials. The other thing is, I believe he had the exact same number of home runs as Lou Gehrig. Isn't that correct? Four hundred ninety-three. That is correct. Fact guy, yeah. that is. Yeah, non-fact guy knows some facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those two things get him like sixty-five percent of the way there, but he can't quite get over the edge because not enough rings. Right. Um, didn't play with a lot of uh, flair. Right, he was a pretty like quiet guy. Wasn't a team leader because he didn't. He wasn't uh, demonstrative. Right. Uh, when he played, which is a huge strike against him, that reduces him about twenty percent. Uh, <laughs> his argument is that he wasn't demonstrative. Uh, didn't get to 500 home runs. Didn't get to that magic number. You know, uh, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Like, you got to hit some of these benchmarks. It's just numbers. It's just math. 
Um, so uh, yeah, sorry, doesn't get in. Sorry, crime dog. Poor, poor friend, poor crime dog, poor crime dog. I wrote today, uh, today, today, my friend McGriff piece ran today, and uh, I mentioned in there. I think we've actually discussed this. So that that commercial, that truck commercial, where the truck says uh, that the, well, the truck doesn't say anything, but the narrator says uh, that the that the truck is uh, uh, they're not just raising the bar. They right. are the bar, right? You've seen those commercials, yeah. That's just stupid. I, it makes no sense. You don't want to be the bar. No, Let's it's it's bar. a terrible ad We're because the bar. the bar is considered the thing that <laughs> is the minimum allowable amount of something, right? You have the to get minimum, over the bar the minimum, in order right. to not fall short of your <laughs> of like what what is required to gain admission into whatever club you're trying to get into. So. Yeah, you want you don't want to be the bar. You want to be fifty levels above the bar. way above the bar, way above the bar, and you don't want to just raise the bar. You want to be way above the bar, and and I, so basically, what they're saying is we are absolutely the bare minimum, and you should buy us for that. I mean, that's basically what they're, the truck people are saying. So I think it's really stupid. However, I do think, and I've I've now come to this full conclusion: Fred McGriff is the bar. He is the Hall of Fame bar. Uh, you can make a tremendously strong argument for him. You can make a tremendously strong argument not for him. He's he is uh, you could he was an all time Hall of Fame type hitter. He did not add anything else really to the to his case beyond that. He wasn't a great base runner. He wasn't a great defensive player. He played first base, whatever. Um, he's the bar. He's just he's the bar. I could make the argument for. I could make the argument against. I honestly, if I had enough votes. Um, I vote him in. He's a guy that if I had enough votes, I would vote him in because I think he's so on the line. Plus, he's so cool. I mean, the mustache alone is enough to that that adds points. That mustache adds points. Mustache gets him like forty percent of the yeah, way there. That's, that's, that's say, yes. Mustache plus Amansky plus Lou Gehrig home runs equals ninety-seven percent. Yeah, but then he has things taken away. He has percentages taken away for not winning enough rings um, and not being demonstrative enough on the Boy, field. Like a little bat swing where like the bat would like come flying over his head. Like that, that was, was pretty cool. cool. That was cool. That was yeah. Cool. Um, I he had uh, he had thirty home runs and one hundred and three RBIs when he was thirty eight playing for the Cubs. I mean, it's just ridiculous how consistent that guy was. He was. It's funny because you compare him to Eddie Murray and Eddie Murray and the nickname Steady Eddie, but. Really, McGriff was even worse steady than 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 Eddie Murray was, which is crazy. All right, what do you think about Jeff Kent? Where are you on Jeff Kent? Uh, I was gonna say easy call Hall of Fame, but I'll go the other way and say not Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> and again, I, I have that ability because I can because this is based on nothing, right? Because yeah, um, okay, nothing, things that absolutely. get him fifty percent of the way there include mustache. Uh, great mustache. Um, great mustache. He played second base. He wasn't a particularly slick fielding second baseman, but he was like a power hitting second baseman, which is the next best thing to being a slick fielding second baseman. He was given an MVP award because everybody hated Barry Bonds. So that's kind of a cool. That's kind of a cool thing um, that yes. he was gifted an, an MVP cool. award in 2000 when no one, when he absolutely wasn't even close to being the best player on his team, like within. Within seventy percent of points, <laughs> just because everyone hated Bonds, they he get that's that's cool. Um, but you know, I uh, he, he was a little bit of a jerk. He was uh, he went like um, remember he was like on an ATV accident or something, and he and he broke his arm, and there was some clause in his contract. Isn't this Jeff Kent that he was told like if he was ATVing and it did it like 
counted it, it like he wouldn't it would violated the terms of a contract so he lied and said he wasn't ATVing. Am I making this up or did this happen? I I have no memory. I'm pretty I'm sure, sure this true. happened. It's probably true. It's probably true. I'm not going to say it didn't happen. <laughs> Even if it didn't happen, it's the kind of thing that Jeff Kent would have done. So that you know, in this day and age, that's as that's as good a reason as any. Uh, so you know, for like literally it. for no reason, I'll just say not Hall of Fame. I like it. I like it. Tenth anniversary of Jeff washes his truck. The Hardball Times wrote in 2012. Yes, right. Like this. So yes. this apparently he said he was watching, watching his, truck his truck and slipped and fell, but really he had been ATVing, right? I didn't make it up. Tell me I didn't make it up. You did not. You did not make it up. And that is, I, I had totally forgotten about that. But the truck washing thing, that's as good an excuse as you're ever going to give right there. I was washing my truck. That alone should get him in the Hall of Fame, really, if you think about it. By the way, we should call, we should have a name for the Hall of, for the MVP awards that are clearly not given to the best player. Like you could call them like the Carl Malone awards or something, or the Charles Barkley awards or the Jeff Kent awards, where clearly they've just gotten so sick of giving the MVP award to Michael Jordan or Barry Bonds. They just like, forget it. We're just going to give it to to this guy. We just, we don't care. Yeah. And that happened one year with, um, that happened one year with um, uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Steve Nash or something, right? Didn't that happen where yeah. like well, well, Nash won a couple of these? Yeah, but there was I feel like there was one year, I could be wrong, but I feel like there was one year when like it was obviously Shaq and then they gave it to Nash. But then there's also people who go back and say, well, actually, if you really analyze the numbers that year, Nash was better or he had maybe his PER was higher or whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, I like I it's it's a fun thing. It happened, I'll tell you when it happened was the year uh it happened to Ted Williams, like at least twice, right? Like like the oh, he yeah. DiMaggio yeah. won the year the year Ted Williams hit four hundred, DiMaggio won uh for his hitting streak, and then there was another year I think Williams won a triple crown that didn't win because they just everybody hated him. <laughs> <laughs> I love things like that. It's great. It really is fun. It's fun when you can give the award. Of course, that's why LeBron doesn't win the award every year. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's all well and good to give awards to other guys. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I'll, that's right. I'll take LeBron. That's fine with me. Um. Okay, I'm going to give you one more, and then I'm going to go through the uh, 10 people I voted for, and you can just tell me uh, what you think about uh, those 10 people. And we'll do it that way because we're running out of time. Um, Gary Sheffield is the last of the people I did not vote for. Easy call here, Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> we, that's, feared, that's right. You know feared. where this is going. Most feared. Mo- oh, one of yeah. the most feared hitters most feared. Uh, in baseball. Um, maybe the most feared of his era Truly terrifying to face him. I was uh, won a won a batting crown. Basically, if you win a batting crown, if you have the highest batting average in your league, you're going to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's a no- all all big yeah. Big like it's so like MVP. Tall, yeah. It's like a rubber stamp. Basically, 500 home runs. There's another rubber stamp for you. Um, he could do it all. He uh, he was not a slick fielder. I'll say that he was not a slick fielder. Uh, but he was, uh, but he was very feared. He was, feared. he was in a bunch of all stars. He came in second in the MVP voting one year. Um, but the feared thing gets him 50% of the way there. And then the batting title kind of pushes him over the top. Here's what I will say about Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield is, is unquestionably one of the, I don't know, 30 best hitters in baseball history, 30, 35 best hitters in baseball history. I mean, you, there's, there's almost no way to knock him out of that group. Now he obviously did admit to uh, to using whatever, what, the cream, I guess, did he say he used the cream? I think, yeah, it was one of the Bond yeah. things, I think, yeah. Whatever the Bondsy things, which I don't, you know, whatever. But the, some people feel strongly about that. Um, 
nobody, I mean, nobody has had as much of his career taken away from because of bad defense. His, his defensive war is like negative 24 wins or something <laughs> insane. It's, it's, it's insane. It just, they just went, I mean, he has like 60 war for his career. And you're like, oh, 60 war, that puts him kind of right on the borderline of whether or not he's a Hall of Famer or not a Hall of Famer. That's interesting to discuss. And then you look, he has 80 offensive war, 80. I mean, it's like insane. He was an insane hitter who just had all of it taken away because of just terrible, terrible defense. And the thing that's frustrating is there was no reason for that guy to be a terrible. It's not like he's some big lug, just Adam Dunn type guy running around out there and can't, he was fast. He was a former shortstop. Like that is pure. (laughs) I don't care. That is pure. This is not what I do. I'm not at the plate, so I'm not interested. So um, very, very difficult, very difficult case. He did not get my, my vote uh, either because uh, he just didn't get it. He's just not, he's, 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 he's tremendous, tremendous hitter, but not one of the 10 for me. All right. So now I'm going to give you the uh, 10. I'm actually giving you 11 because I'm, I'm going to give you the, the I'm going to put it down to the final two and I'm going to have you guess which one All I right. voted for. Here you go. All right. So here are the people I voted for. Uh, number one, Jim Tomey. Hall of Famer, obvious Hall of Famer. Obvious Hall of Famer. Chipper Jones. Sure. Best uh, third baseman of all time, obvious Hall of Famer. Also like to hunt. That gets him like 50% of the way there. <laughs> Does it get him 50% of the way there? I don't know. I've, just, I've heard that people are uh, that think it's cool when, when dudes go hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero. Oh, easy Hall of Famer. Obviously could hit anything. One of the best right-handed hitters of all time. Played for the Expos. That's cool. Uh, yeah, easy, easy call there. He was fun, man. The best, man. Seriously, seriously, he was fun. The most, pro- like the if if you if we were doing funnest players, who is more who was more fun? Seriously, serious question. Who is more fun as a player than Vlad Guerrero? I think if you put Vlad Guerrero on your team and Adrian Beltre on your team, that is the funnest yeah, team in baseball that's right. history. Just it doesn't even matter who the other seven are. They could be a bunch of Jeff Kent's, and it would still be <laughs> the funnest player. Right, the funnest team. Love it. Oh my gosh, Vlad Guerrero, so fun! All right, uh, Edgar Martinez on my ballot. Of course, he should be. He's one of the greatest hitters of all time. This is absurd. Of course, um, as non-stats guy, I'm gonna say sorry. He doesn't make it. He was a DH, uh, didn't play defense, <laughs> um, so he doesn't. He can't make it. But as me, Mike Shore, yeah, of course, Edgar is in the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous that he isn't. Unbelievable! What is this DH thing? Okay, look, if you're gonna put Trevor Hoffman in the Hall of Fame, all right. Now I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, we're gonna we're gonna put specialists in the Hall of Fame. That's fine. How can we put him in the Hall of Fame and not Edgar? Like uh, Edgar's a DH, and so that doesn't count. But we're gonna put closers through a thousand innings. That does count. That makes no sense. It's absurd. It's it's deeply deeply absurd. Uh, like he, Edgar Martinez played all nine innings of the games that he played in usually. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. I did vote for Mike Mussina. He is on my ballot. Mike Mussina. Interesting. Interesting. No, not enough rings and not enough 20-game uh, winning seasons. Doesn't get in. <laughs> Only had the one right at the end of his career. Yeah, the one it. right at the end, and that was that got him 50% of the way there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, not enough rings, and uh, he should have won 20. Should have won 20 more not, than he did. Not a great mustache either. No mustache. No, nothing. All right, here's one for you. A personal favorite of yours, Kurt Schilling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kurt Schilling. 
I'm putting this on you. Go ahead. Tell us what you think about Kirk. Uh, well, non-stats guy, of course he gets in. Uh, hero, Hall of Fame career in the post, unhittable in the postseason. Uh, he's basically the Robert Ory of of uh, baseball. Uh, <laughs> bloody sock, et cetera, et cetera. Game, uh, game six, uh, ALCS. Uh, game, uh, whatever it was in the 2004 World Series, made big, big promises, followed through on them. Um, actual stat guy also says yes. Didn't walk anyone. He here's a crazy stat about Kurt Schilling. He threw uh, what he he threw 3,261 innings of baseball in his life. Never walked a batter. Wow, not, not one, one batter. Yeah, isn't that That's crazy? Even, it's one of the craziest stats I think about him. Never walked a single batter in more than, than the, uh, the Jamie Moyer <laughs> thing about the forty and like that, forty uh, <laughs> hits on his changeup. No, he had he averaged almost a strikeout an inning, and he walked a total of seven hundred and eleven people in those thirty two. I mean, that's oh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it's it, and he it wasn't he wasn't a finesse guy. He was a power guy. He was a a. Straight up fireballing power pitcher with the best control of any power, any pitcher basically. Right? Doesn't he have the lowest walk rate of anyone in history or something? In history, until there, there's some there's some active guys, Kershaw and, and right. uh, Kluber. There are a couple of active guys, uh, but yeah, other than that, since 1900, he's the lowest. I mean, he's the lowest among people who retired. It's incredible, just amazing. Just incredible. I mean, when he was when he was in in his in the sort of like last act of his career, which you would pin as when he started. Uh, with Arizona, and they won the series in, uh, you know, the 01, 02, 03, and then they won the series, um, and then he went to Boston. Um, he had years where he walked, uh, where his strikeout-to-walk ratio was, here. here's some numbers for you, strikeout-to-walk ratio, seven and a half, nine and a half, six, almost six, nine and, and six and a half. That's for, and he's 34 to 39 in that span. I mean, nine and a half, in nine, 2002, his strikeout-to-walk ratio was nine and a half. He struck out 316 guys <laughs> and had 33 walks in 260 innings. It's not human. It's absurd. Basically, it's deeply absurd. Walk. So anyway, both both uh, non-stats guy and stats guy sure. vote yes on Schilling, even though he's a ding-dong. Well, that's what I was going to say. The, in, 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 and I asked of this of Michael Shore, what do you do with the ding-dong part of Kurt Schilling? I mean, I don't know. I mean, like we have this clause, right? Everyone always talks about this clause when they want to kick steroid people out. And the clause is some kind of like honorable man, gentleman clause or whatever it is about his character. But there are so many awful people already in the Hall of Fame. Like unless you're going to go back and do an audit and kick a bunch of people out who were inveterate racists or who have admitted to using performance enhancing drugs of various kinds all throughout history or you know, were owners who were like pro segregation or <laughs> something before the, right. before the like way worse crimes than being a ding dong. I mean, Schilling has done some pretty reprehensible stuff. He's like, he's like passed around memes of like journalists being hanged and like, like stuff that's like, even in today's climate of where and no one has any sense of like decorum. Uh, he's crossed the line a few times, I think. And he's now in the info world, info wars world. Like he's gone, he's gone pretty much off the deep end, but that's not the point of the baseball hall of fame. We're trying to tell the story of baseball. It's hard to tell the story of baseball from 1996 to 2008 or whatever without Kurt Schilling. So I kind of think you just got to say, Oh, well, he was a ding dong. And, uh, and that's the deal. He was a ding dong who was really good at baseball. <laughs> Totally with you. Totally with you. You know, it's funny because I, I feel like I'm very frustrated by Kurt Schilling um, because he is he is reprehensible. He really is. I mean, there's no other 
way to say it. Uh, he's he's a he's a jerk, and and yet he was an incredible pitcher. And I always felt like his his great pitching was underappreciated. I always felt like he needed a champion yes, to yes. remind people this guy was an all this guy was everything that people thought Jack Morris was. Right? I mean, he's he's everything that they pretended Jack Morris was. Jack Morris had a little bit of that. He did have the great game. He was a guy that came every fifth day and he pitched hard and whatever. But he was he was better. He was a better version of that. Kurt Schilling was. And and I want to be the champion of that baseball cause. And I even wrote a piece earlier this year saying I want to be the champion of Kurt Schilling baseball career because it was an incredible career and then he did something else i said i'm not gonna be the champion of that guy i'll I'll vote for him i'll vote for him but i'm not gonna champion his case because look i mean he's doing this to himself he's doing this you cannot be like an open racist scumbag and and not have it like affect people's views. Affect yeah. your the way people think of it. Right. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep voting for him and, and without hesitation. I don't care. I don't think any of that should have any effect on whether or not he goes to the Hall of Fame. But I he'll he I think I even wrote he can find his own champion now. All <laughs> right. Um, maybe Alex maybe Alex Jones will step up. And <laughs> there be, you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In between, in between uh, finding a life on Earth uh, from from outer space. Um, all right, I voted for Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. I voted for those two uh, gentlemen. Uh, how, how does No Fact Guy feel about that? Uh, no Fact Guy remembers a couple things about Roger Clemens. Struck out twenty in a game twice. There you go, right there. Fifty percent. Raw. No Fact Guy also remembers the drama, the pure drama of him showing up in George Steinbrenner's box at Yankee Stadium and Susan Waldman having a connection fit, which uh, which is, remains to this day one of the funniest things I have ever seen. I would that honestly, I, I'm not kidding about this. I laugh. I was watching that game live when that happened. Uh, and uh, I laughed harder when hearing that than I think if, I can't remember now if there's a radio call or, or, a, or a TV call, but I I've listened to it 500 times. It's one of the funny, it's funnier to me than any, uh, than any movie or TV show I've ever seen is Susan Waldman's reaction to a, to a, like a, at the time, like a 43 year old Roger Clemens. Like it was like, she reacted like Jesus had come to earth and was like, Hey everyone, I'm going to, I'm bringing peace throughout the land. It's so funny. It's so deeply funny. And it was like it was a sort of apotheosis of the sort of like Yankee, like the Yankees, uh, uh, Yankees nation being blind to its own absurdities at that time. Uh, and I just love it so much. I mean, that that alone, like 20 strikeouts twice and the Susan Waldman's reaction to when he, <laughs> when Clemens came out of retirement for like the 40th time uh, that gets him in. And Bonds, you know, I mean, the home run off Percival in the 2002 World Series alone gets you 50% of the way there. So, I, yeah, and I would uh, – no stats guy, but for both of those guys. Both for both of those guys. Uh, I still – I think we bring this up every year, but we must bring it up every year. Um, the the bat throw. The bat throw against Piazza is is still uh, – it's and, – and not – the bat throw itself is just – first of all, it's, it's incredibly – violent and horrifying yeah um but the explanation afterward is is to me still one of the all-time great moments in baseball. i thought it was the ball <laughs> i thought it was the <laughs> ball 
that's better than the washing truck thing, right? I thought it was yeah. the ball. I did a whole column uh, where I or I pretended to be Roger Clemens' brain, and and how the brain was responding to that, where he was the brain was like going, "Oh, the ball is coming to me. I need to throw it as hard as I can into the path of." of Mike Piazza for reasons that may, I must do that. You know, I mean, it was just, right. It's the, I'm a, I'm a big, the thought process went like this. I'm a professional baseball player. Right. I'm throwing a pitch. Oh, look, the ball has been hit back towards me. It's, I know, it's a- I know what to do. I'm a professional <laughs> baseball player. I'm going to pick up the ball and throw it as hard as I can at the feet of the man who hit it to me. Now, the reason this makes sense is because, and then that's where the thought process stopped. He that's suddenly realized, oh, it wasn't the ball. And then, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. And it's like, also, this is the oddest shaped ball. Yeah, they, they, ever something thrown. happened to the ball. I can't, I can't, get my, <laughs> can't get my hand around the ball. All right, there's no point in discussing uh, Barry Bonds. Other than um, how often, and I believe I ask you this question as well every year. How often do you go to Baseball Reference and just look at Barry Bonds' like 2001 through 2005 seasons? Uh, fairly frequently. And I also yeah. go back and look at uh, like YouTube collections of Barry Bonds highlights because they're so <laughs> wonderful. And uh, it's like, uh, you know, I, we've talked about this so many times, but the real reason that it was such a, a colossal bummer um, is because you really just wanted to believe that someone could be that good at something. And specifically baseball, the yeah. game we love. Like you just wanted to believe that someone had gotten to the point where he had ascended into the sort of ionosphere and had figured out the game at its molecular level. And was that good? You just wanted, I wanted to believe that that was true. And, uh, and that's the, you know, the, like the scales falling from our eyes, uh, will, will forever be like a, 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 one of the biggest, like sports related disappointments yeah. in my life of like, Oh yeah, of course, of course he was cheating all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Although even, even as a cheater to get that good, I just, it's, it's, it's insane. But don't you think that's why we love the, the golden state warriors, like watching them play? It's because they're like, you know, specifically staff and Durant. Um, and on some days, um, you know, more than, more than just those two, but certainly those two where you're like, you want to believe that people could be that specifically shooting the basketball. I mean, you, you know, you look at staff and you're like, well, I just never thought anybody would ever be that good at shooting. A basketball. Yes. It seems it's, impossible. It's, it's, it seems like, well, it's just not, it, the game is, it's like some, it's like watching someone go to a carnival and play a carnival game, but like back up twice as far as they need to be from the place. They're like pitching the dimes. <laughs> to the bird baths or whatever and just like hit like 18 in a row you just like you're not supposed to be able to do that from any depth i heard a crazy stat the other day i think might have been in chase Sarah's book about basketball that like um the first year the three-point uh line was in was in the nba like the person who led the league in three-pointers hit like 35 three-pointers or something. It's right. Like, right it's just like that's how what's, what's happened to the game in the last however many years uh, it just wasn't a skill that anybody had because they didn't need it, right? When there's no three point line, and what is the every right. inch further away from the basket that you are is is makes your chances of scoring go down. And now he's taken that to the next level where now there is a three point line, but he doesn't care. His ability to make it from 35 feet is roughly the same as his ability to make it from 24 <laughs> feet. So why not just take it from 35 feet? <laughs> just absurd. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing because it really is. 
when the when the three point line first got first came into existence, I think even the best basketball players in the world were like, "That's far. That's really far from the basket, yeah. right?" I mean, I wouldn't shoot out there. I mean, I guess now I will because it's worth an extra point. But generally, I wouldn't be shooting from out there. And and yeah, that's he, Steph doesn't get within a full body length of that three point line on a lot of his threes. I mean, it's insane. All right. Uh, down the last three, Larry Walker was my ninth that I voted for. Are you a Larry Walker guy? Uh, yes. I can't even be non-stats guy, jokey, dumb guy about this because I believe it has cost so much. I think it's so weird. He only got twenty-two percent of the of the vote, right? He's gonna he's not gonna make it. Not even year. close, right? No, no. I think he's gained some support this year, which is interesting. Oh, that's uh, from the early, from the early balloting, but not enough. I mean, he's still gonna be forty. 40% or 38% or something like that. I mean, I feel like we talked about this last year and it, he has the Colorado problem. It's a huge problem. But like, right. I mean, for goodness sakes, the last year he was in Montreal, he had, you know, his typical Larry Walker year. He had 44 doubles and he had, he had a 981 OPS and that park was terrible. And he, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, he's, he stole bases and he was a um, had a cannon for an arm. And by the way, he hit those forty four doubles. That was ninety four. That was the strike year. So he would have he would have hit like fifty eight doubles or yeah. something <laughs> crazy. I mean, he was so good. I just I don't understand why there aren't more people who are. It's Colorado, right? That's just the fundamental problem of this is Colorado, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. I think it's two things. I think it's right. It's two things. Colorado and the fact that his uh, he didn't play that many right. full seasons. He he had a lot of nagging. Injuries that took him down uh, some, but I've made the argument he, he's he, he is my cause celeb. He's my cause, and not <laughs> not not jerk Kurt Schilling, um, because he is um, he's one of the greatest all around players in baseball history. That and to me, that that's one way you should be able to get in the Hall of Fame is if you did everything. Well, and there are numbers I, that I put in the story. I would love for people to go see it. That basically put him, Barry Bonds, and Willie Mays into one class of of um, a, a player. They're, they're the only three players who rank top hundred in the three different categories that I was able to to measure, uh, which is batting, uh, fielding, and uh, base running. And He's he he's only one of three, and the other two are you know forget what you think of Bonds you know the steroid stuff. The other two are you know one, two of the five best players in baseball history. So so it's uh, it's nutty, and and I I hope Larry Walker gets it. All right, let's end this thing by me telling you that my not my tenth and final vote came down to two players. One I voted for last year, and uh, one I did not. Uh, the first player is Manny Ramirez. The second player is Scott Rowland. Ooh. Super uh, difficult. Well, Super I'm gonna guess, difficult. I'm going to guess you didn't vote for Manny last year. No, this year. I'm going to guess you voted for him last year. So I'm going to guess that you this year voted for Rowland. Very good. You're yeah. correct. You are correct. I voted. And it was super tough. Uh, I am, I, as, as I've made very clear, I don't believe that it's fair to completely disqualify players uh, who, who, uh, uh, took steroids at a time when it was not being tested for. You can mark them down if you want, but I don't think it's fair to disqualify them. Many failed two drug tests. Man, that's it's tough to overlook. I don't want to disqualify him. I don't think you can tell the story of baseball without him. Uh, he's he's he might be the greatest hitter I've ever seen. 
in in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously Bonds is in a different category. Pujols is amazing. You know, Edgar, all these other guys. But this guy was like a genius. He was just a genius of hitting, uh, in in and a genius in no other way. Um, <laughs> but a genius of hitting, and and I love him. And uh, I just felt like I gotta help Scott Rowland uh, stay on the ballot. I think he's he's in very very severe danger of falling off the ballot. Uh, and he was a great player. Scott Rowland was a truly great player. He's another guy that that the career was a little short. But there just aren't that many incredible fielding third basemen who were also, you know, as good a hitter as he as he was. So, uh, so I gave it to Scott Rowland. Did not give it to Manny. Uh, what would you have done? Uh, I mean, I would I would have been like freaking out the whole time about this dumb rule that only allows <laughs> you to vote for ten of these guys because there's about eight deserved again. Um, I see the point with Manny. Like he uh, he like rubbed it in your face in a way that, that it was like a little bit like, come That's on, dude. Like we wanna we wanna be on your side, but you're not making it easy for us. Um, I I mean I think Roland deserves to be in. He was great and uh, I mean or at least he deserves more discussion. Then it seems like he's getting so I, I there's a totally defensible yes, exactly. thing. It's just hard to not vote for Manny Ramirez when his his prowess was so on display all the time. Like there were all those stories of him like taking pitches that that he could have swung at to set up a pitcher for the next at bat to take it. Now I don't think any of those stories are true, frankly. I think he was just this weird <laughs> savant who just went up and saw the ball and destroyed it. Um and uh, and I think he like just he was just a genius of a hitter. Um it just it comes down to nothing more complex than that. He was just he had a gift, and he used his gift, and he also used a bunch of other stuff <laughs> to make to make. <laughs> but uh, it it would it would bum me out not to vote for him. But I remember hearing a story about him that when he was a kid in the Dominican Republic, he trained by filling a bunch, of, stacking a bunch of tires, filling them with rocks, and then tying a rope through all of the tires and then around his waist, and then like dragging it up a hill. But just like running up a hill and direct, it's like kind of just, and then he became what he became. And it's like, that's, you just want to, like, why can't we just celebrate that? That's insane. That's a beautiful thing. And uh, I mean, if it, if any consolation, he has already forgotten that he played Major League Baseball. He doesn't know what the Hall of Fame is. He doesn't care one way or the other. He's like somewhere just having fun and like drinking a Mai Tai with his buddies and, uh, and everything's fine. So uh, it, that that that'll hopefully let us uh, sleep at night for not voting for him. Bill James insists this is true that he would purposely get into three two counts so that when he uh, the runners would be moving when he when he hit the ball and so he runners would score from first on doubles. Uh, that's he amazing. Would be, he to, yeah, I don't know if that's true. I mean, that seems it seems a lot like the taking a pitch so you can beat the uh, the pitcher with it later yeah. uh, stories, but. What about Manny Ramirez isn't true. It's all true. Like every crazy Manny Ramirez story you ever heard. By the way, we mentioned this last week just in, in passing, but you and I got to see Manny Ramirez uh, in spring training with the Tampa Bay Rays, right? When That's was, right. How much did he weigh then at that point? What do you think? What did he weigh? Yeah, what do you think he weighed at that 400 point? 400 pounds, something like that. 410. <laughs> <laughs> We, we saw him, the, the the only thing I really remember we saw him hit like a like a rocket line drive uh, because even yeah. then he could still hit and then we watched that's him right. that's right. in, a spring, in a spring training game we watched oh, Manny Ramirez get picked off and it was like 
Yeah, that's the way to remember him. All right, well, we have you. You put in thirty-one okay. people into the Hall of Fame, uh, although not although not Fred McGrath. No, um, doesn't get in. Not enough rings. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Not enough rings. All right, well, this is awesome. So uh, we'll come back next time with like uh, like a real podcast. But this is this is just this is. This is a classic, right? The the Hall of Fame. We it is a classic. Well, classic is the right word. You used that word earlier, and I wanted to say uh, that is the right <laughs> word for this, for what this is. It's a classic. It is. It's a podcast classic. All right. Well, Michael, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.